0: everybody this is just sold with brent mcintosh of the mcintosh group at remax river city my name is Bryn griffiths and joining us as always is brent mcintosh how are you doing today i'm um, well how are you brent fine thank you you know we talked the word probate came up on our last podcast and immediately i started thinking well that would require a lawyer and so Definitely. we've gone out and got ourselves one tell everybody who's joining us on the podcast today
1: well, we opened up the Yellow Pages, I'm kidding, <laughs> uh, We, we, we I, I went deep into my set of friends and I found us a great lawyer to talk to today. His name's Rod Neal from Neal Law, he owns his own practice. Rod, thanks for joining us.
2: Hey Brent, thanks for having me out and inviting me to your podcast today. Tell us a little bit about you and your pod, and your practice, if you don't mind. Sure. Sure. Um, was born and raised in Edmonton and basically been here all my life and uh, graduated from the U of A originally with a Bachelor of Science with Distinction, and then after that went on and obtained my law degree at the U of A. So I have a general practice of the law. Uh, Approximately 75 to 90% of my practice uh, covers real estate transactions, um, and I hate to admit it, but I've been practicing for 38 years.
1: Oh, wow. Wow. That's older than I am. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Rod, I, I asked you before we started if I could tell the story, so I'm going to. You, 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 you graciously are allowing me to tell the story of how we met, and, and um, it was quite humorous. Uh, Rod and I have known each other for 15-plus years, I think now, and we met at a B&I meeting, and for those of you who don't know what B&I, in, B&I is, it's a Business Networking International, and we had a local chapter on the south side of Edmonton where we met every single Thursday at 7 in the morning. And one of our members invited Rod to join us. And, and he thought that before committing to going to a 7 a.m. meeting, and, and he wanted to get to know a few of the members before showing up. And most importantly, I think, was the real estate agent who might be sending him business. So he called me the night before, Wednesday night. And we spoke on the phone for quite a long time, 45 minutes of kind of feeling each other out and just, just describing our businesses and if this would be a good fit. And and he decided to join us the next meeting. and and I came racing into the, the meeting as I normally did and, and trying to meet all the guests and say hi to our members. I, I think I was the chapter president at the time, and I come up to this tall gentleman and, and stick out my hand, and I say, hi, I'm Brent, and, and he says, hi, I'm Rod, and I say, hey, Rod, what do you do? And he looks at me like I'm the biggest idiot in the world, and he says, no, I'm Rod. And I then said, I heard you, Rod, what do you do? And you were very sarcastic to me, which made me like you immediately. <laughs> you said, I'm Rod Neal. I'm a lawyer. We spoke for 45 minutes last night. And, and the only thing you didn't say to me at the time was that you're an idiot. <laughs> and um, I, I then proceeded to look you up and down, if you recall, because you, you weren't dressed the way that I expected a lawyer to be dressed. And, and for those listening, Rod does not wear a suit and tie very often. In, in
2: fact, only when you go to court. Is that correct? That's correct. And your reason for that? Hey, you got to enjoy what you're doing and why not be relaxed and, and have a good time at work.
1: <laughs> and I think you also said at the time that you dressed the way your clients dress and you wanted them to feel comfortable in your office, which they obviously do. So you've uh, at first I did judge you for not wearing a suit and tie because I had never met a lawyer that didn't wear a suit and tie. But, but since then, I've discovered that you're definitely one of the best lawyers in all of Edmonton. And so thank you for joining us. Um, let's get to the situation of let's talking about what does a lawyer do? Uh, because a lot of people really don't know why they need a lawyer um, to buy or sell a house. So, so tell us why, if I'm selling my house, why do I need you? Well,
2: if you owned a home, would you have a home without insurance? Would you drive a car without insurance? Most people that are buying and selling houses, have, it, it's going to be their biggest financial uh, transaction in most people's lives. So why not hire a lawyer? I've got insurance to cover that transaction. If something screws up, uh, the buyer or the seller is protected. That's really good.
1: Take us through a file, if you don't mind. So a typical seller who's thinking about selling their house, what do you do on their behalf?
2: Well, typically, um, you're great because you give us a heads up that the file is coming, give us some contact information, give us a chance to reach out to the client. But once we have real, in- real estate instructions from the listing real estate agency, we conduct searches. So we, we do a title search. We want to see what uh, what's registered on the title. Are there mortgages? Are there other charges that are registered there that have to be paid out? Um, one of the other things that we do is we do a tax search. We want to know what the situation is with taxes. Have they been paid to the end of the year? is the person on a monthly payment uh, schedule with the municipality. Um, If we're dealing with a condominium, we're going to check out the documents to make sure that uh, there are no special assessments or everything's been looked after. Um, once we do the the searches, we basically start uh, preparing the sale documents and those include a transfer of land. That's the document that uh, conveys title to the buyer. Um, We prepare a GST exempt certificate saying that it's a used residential complex. Uh, and that there's no GST payable on the sale price. And then my assistant prepares a statement of adjustments. And that's just a document that basically shows what the purchase price is, adjusts for taxes, uh, adjusts for condo fees. Um, And then we also do a vendor statement. And that's basically an estimate that says, this is the money that we will be getting from the other side. These are the things that we have to pay out. And uh, this is likely what we'll net at the end of the day. Um, Yeah, once that's done, um, I put a call into the clients and make the appointment to sign the documents. They come in, they sign the paper, and then we send everything out to the other lawyer with a trust letter. And a trust letter is basically um, an understanding between lawyers saying that I'm sending you these documents, and you can only use them on certain conditions so that I'm protecting the seller to make sure that uh, we get our money down the road. Um, On the closing date, um, the money comes in from the other side. It's due at noon on the closing date. Uh, we call the realtor to uh, release the keys. Uh, we pay out any mortgages, any outstanding taxes. Uh, we pay out the real estate commissions, and then uh, my practice is simply to simply go to the uh, seller's uh, um, a bank account, bank uh, that they deal with, and deposit funds directly into their account. And then that same day, we e- uh, email them a report. And that's basically, uh, in a nutshell, what we do on behalf of the seller.
0: Does this move along pretty quick? Because obviously you're coming in towards the back end of this, right?
2: Correct. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And what about so time, time frame, Brent, and you can jump in on this as well. Like it is, it's all happening over two weeks.
2: Well, ideally two weeks is an awesome period of time to give us a chance to do it, but I've closed deal deals where I've received instructions on a Thursday and we're closing on a Friday. So, you know, as long as you're committed to, to getting things done and, and, uh, You've got the procedures and and checklists in place. There's no reason why that can't be done.
1: And and obviously that's what separates some of the good lawyers here in town from some of those not-so-good lawyers that uh, I've given files to to lawyers' offices with 60 days uh, notice, and they still haven't got everything done in time. So it will depend on on the diligence, I think, of that law office more than anything else. And and you are are definitely one of the best out there for making sure that the deals close on time. there's, there's obviously a second part of, of any purchase, and that's the buyer. So that's a little different again, isn't it, when you represent the buyer instead of just representing the seller?
2: Yeah, it's just a tad different. Um, again, we do the same searches to make sure that uh, there's no issues with title and there's no issues with taxes or condo fees. Um, but on those types of files, we have to wait for mortgage instructions that come from the lender. So once we have those um, those documents have to be prepared, and depending on the lender that the client is using, um, those can be substantial. So we, we crank all those out uh, get everything uh, that's required in order to uh, uh, get, get funds from the lender. Again, we make the appointment, the clients come in, uh, we go through all the paperwork. Typically, it's a, you know a, a, on a sale, it's a half an hour meeting maybe. On a purchase, it may take up to an hour by the time we go through all the documents. So once the clients uh, leave my office, we make sure that we request funds as soon as possible. And depending on the lender, that may be a, a one-page request for funds. Um, with some of the Eastern lenders, it might be a 50-page document that we have to either fax or uh, email to them in order to get funds. Then what happens is we sort of uh, wait for the lawyer's uh, seller's lawyer's trust letter. Uh, we go through that to make sure that uh, he's uh, agreeing to provide us all the things that we need to, uh, to pro- provide us with undertakings to pay out existing mortgages, um, and then Basically, what happens is on the day of closing, we do another title search to make sure that nothing has popped up on the title. Um, we then forward funds to land titles, and we forward funds to the other lawyer to make sure that he gets the funds well in advance of 12 noon to release the keys.
1: So I, I think one of the things that people, especially buyers, don't realize necessarily until they come and see you, perhaps, is that when they've hired you to represent them, um, you're also representing the bank.
2: Uh, on a purchase. Absolutely. And that's, that's common. Back when I started back in 1982, um, it wasn't the realtors who were directing the, the work, it was the bank. So every bank had their own uh, branch solicitor who was looking after preparing the mortgage documents. And then he would send it to the buyer's lawyer so that there were actually two lawyers acting for the buyer. Um, uh-huh. And the buyer would end up paying the fee for the solicitor who was acting for the lender and his own lawyer. So. Over the course of years, um, basically what happened is uh, the bank said, fine, you can use your own lawyer and uh, we'll uh, rely upon him to do all the work for us.
1: Perfect.
0: Hey, hey um, can, I, can I ask about the real property report? Because uh, on our last house, that was was kind of a sticking point, and, and I still can't get my head wrapped around what is that, and why did it take so long to get?
2: Yeah, like um, the current MLS uh, offer to purchase, Um, That standard out there requires the seller to provide a real property report. And what a real property report is, it's a plan view drawing of the property showing the boundaries of the property and it shows all the sort of improvements. So the house, the garage, um, decks, uh, fences, uh, those types of things. Um, A good realtor like Brent, what he does when he takes a listing, he asks them, Do you have a current real property report? And if they don't, either he will order one or I will order one so that if there are any issues, um, we can deal uh, with those well in advance of the closing date. Uh, there's so many files where I'm acting for a buyer where I get a letter from the lawyer saying, well, we, we just ordered the real property report. Um, you know, We don't know when we're going to get it. And then the lawyers get into a back and forth on, well, you know, how much money are we going to hold back till we, till we get this thing? And, and it's a real conundrum because... Anything can be a problem, and like, how do you come come to an agreement as to what should be held back?
1: And yeah, how much does it going to cost to fix this? Is this a five hundred dollar problem? Or is this a ten thousand
2: dollar problem? I had a file years ago where it was an elderly lady. She lived in the house forever. Had a chain link fence uh, built, and uh, she was on the. Uh, it was in the city of Edmonton, and her backyard faces parkland. Um, there was also a swimming pool. Well, the swimming pool and the fence was in the parkland, and the city of Edmonton said. You know, a lot of times we'll give variances and we'll allow the fence and the pool to remain there. But with parkland, no, you have to remove it. And it was a $20,000 fix.
1: Wow. Yeah, I, I can tell you that currently we have one of our listings where the fence encroaches on the city property by literally only a foot. And the city wants $50 a year for that encroachment agreement. And, and so, if you're paying that fifty dollars every single year to keep that encroachment agreement, you might as well just knock down the fence and rebuild it on your own land.
0: How does what, that happen, to you guys? How does like how, is that just is that common?
2: Very common. We see it over and over again, right, right Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And different municipalities have their little things. Uh, the county of uh, Strathcona, they're really hard on uh, sheds. Sheds. So yeah, so if shed is too close, right away they're looking to dip into, uh, into your pocket to get some money. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I, can, I can speak specifically that when I sold my last house five years ago, um, my shed was uh, not too close to the neighbor's property or the property line. Literally, it was too close to my own house and uh, and didn't conform because it was right up against the house. And the County of doesn't allow that. You're supposed to have your shed in the middle of your yard but I don't know too many people who want their shed in the middle of their
2: backyard. <laughs> um, it's good to know you know what you're dealing with if there's a problem. Um, because if, if it is something like a shed, well, you can put a, a clause in the offer saying that the buyer will accept the shed as located, and then it's not an issue. But if you don't know that and you don't deal with it, then after it's closing or while it's closing, you've got one side putting pressure on the other to say, hey, um, you know, you've know, got to deal with this or you want some compensation, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a nightmare.
1: Now, our format for this podcast is definitely not long enough to, to go into the ins and outs of title insurance. Um, I'm sure we could do an hour just talking about that because you and I talk about it all the time. But I guess as, as briefly as you, you can, can describe and tell us what title insurance is, because I think there's this um, misinformation out in the marketplace that title insurance is this get-out-of-jail-free card that, that, that will cover everything, and I don't think it is.
2: Title insurance basically is a policy of insurance just like any other insurance, whether it's on your home or on your house, and it's issued by a title insurance company. I think originally it was to cover situations where um, there was some question as to whether good title could be passed from the seller to the buyer. And in Alberta, we don't have that problem. Um, our land title system is based on an Australian system called the Torrens system. So it's what you see is what you get. When you do a title search, um, if it shows that someone owns the property, You can rely upon that. So, you don't need title insurance for that. There's a lot of thought out there that title insurance is great because it's going to be the magic uh, thing that covers any situation. I'm not a fan of it. Um, In fact, I refuse to use title insurance except in one circumstance. And that is usually where a client is refinancing their property and they don't have a real property or they have a real property report or they have one that's perhaps 20 years old. Um, They don't want to spend the money to get a new one and a new compliance. So we spend a couple of hundred bucks to get title insurance to keep their lender happy, and uh, we move on. My view is, um, you know, the offer, typical offer provides for the uh, seller to provide a real property report. And I want my buyers to know if there are any problems, so that if there are problems, we can fix them so they don't have that down the road. The problem with title insurance is like any other insurance. What's the insurance company likely to do if there is a problem? Deny, deny, deny. So what have what you bought for $229? You bought a legal action. So why put your client in that position? And I guess the other point is, if you get title insurance, when you sell the property, you can't pass that title insurance on to the buyer. They have to get a new policy. Mm-hmm. So why not get a real property report? You know what the situation is. If there's a problem, you've got all the warranties in the offer that requires the seller to fix it. You make them fix it. And then when you sell the property down the road, you've got a, you've got something that you can pass on to the buyer. Exactly.
1: And we didn't talk about the price of the real property report, but I, for those listening, it, it's really not that much more. Um, you're, you're looking at about $550 charge for the actual survey and then another 150 to $200 for the compliance from the muni- municipality wherever you might live. So you're looking at around $750 to have something that is, is obviously way better than the $250 title insurance premium. Absolutely.
0: Hey now, we're we're so, gonna we're gonna tell everybody how to get a hold of you in a minute, but I I gotta ask one question because we're gonna be tight for time and I, I gotta get this in. What is the craziest folly you've ever had to deal on? Is there there's gotta be one where you went, I just can't believe I had to do that, or that was great. that was insane. Well, a number
2: of years ago I was acting for a buyer and the house was advertised on the listing with a wood burning fireplace in the basement. And uh you know, when my buyers went through that uh, particular fireplace was complete with wood ashes. And uh, they were so happy that they were going to have this beautiful room room downstairs man cave where they could have this fire, watch some sports. Uh, they bought the property, lit their first fire, and they found that there was no chimney. So the whole <sighs> basement full filled with smoke. So, you know, what happens? Well, they have to hire litigation counsel and fight this thing out. But that—that's the extent that people will go to to sell their property.
0: But it was a wood-burning fireplace. It's just no chimney. That's all. Correct. And if
2: you actually look at the photographs of the, uh, of the listing, you could, if you look at the house, you can see that there's no chimney. But but whoever put that together, when you're looking at a house, that—that's a pretty good stager.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> terrible terrible well rod i know that you're a great
2: lawyer but uh quickly what makes you a really good lawyer i think when it comes to real estate um, our motto at the office is if we were the clients you know what would our expectations be um, when we're buying or selling a house and you know what we want to do is we want to exceed that expectation knock it out of the park so for a seller i want to make sure that you know, we get the money by noon on the closing date and that money goes into their account that day that we deliver the commissions to the uh, listing agent and uh, that everything's reported. From the purchaser side, I want to make sure that uh, by 12 noon, the keys are released. So they're, you know, they've got moving vans waiting or whatever, that there's no hiccups um, on that closing.
0: So how do people get a hold of you? We got to get that out. Uh, Is the best way by email or do you like phone calls? How do you want to do it?
2: I'm old school. I really like talking to people and you get so much more out of a, uh, a conversation. And also you don't have the emails banging back and forth uh, 14 times. But um, I have a website, uh, neil-law.ca. Uh, my phone number is on there, um, 780-448-0900. And uh lawman at neil-law.ca. The other thing is uh, evenings and weekends, all my phone calls get uh, called forward to my cell phone. And as Brent can attest, I pick up on evenings and weekends. I want to make sure that the people that I care about, uh, whether they're clients or realtors that I'm working with can get a hold of me to ask questions and, you know, not do something silly.
0: Okay. One more time. That phone number.
2: 780-448-0900.
0: Thanks for your time. I can
2: attest that
1: Rod does answer that phone and, and, uh, As a real estate agent who might work evenings and weekends, it is really important to be able to get a hold of a lawyer every now and then because we might need a term that we're going to write into the offer. And it's great to have a lawyer who provide that term immediately. And then when we send the file, he's pretty happy to have it in his words so that he can deal with it appropriately.
0: Guys, thanks for your time today. Uh, By the way, we love feedback. So you're more than welcome to drop us a line. Brent, how can people get a hold of you?
1: They can reach us on our website at macintoshgroup.ca or as Rod, I do like to talk on the phone. You can reach me directly at 780-464-0075 is our team number. We'd be happy to provide you with any information you might need or a complimentary market evaluation of your home.
0: Boy, that went by quick. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. I'm Bryn Griffiths. He's Brent Macintosh, and we'll see you next time.